And this is the Market Today podcast, where we bring you guys a new book every single week and a little bit of information on what is going on in the markets. Super excited to have you guys this here this week here with us. For those of you that are new, we normally like to read books having to do with business, psychology, philosophy, all of the ologies, if you know what I mean. So this week we have read another book uh, that actually is rather popular. Uh, it's it's one of the ones that uh, that is recommended to most business owners and entrepreneurs when they want to get into stuff, and uh, it was good. So just before we get into that, I'll give you the name of the book. It starts with Why by Simon Sinek, um, a rather famous dude. Uh, but before we do that, before we get into the book, let's go ahead and talk about some other things that are happening in the markets. Ross. Why has everything fallen to absolute shit this week? I mean, everything is is gone. I guess I'll talk crypto, and then you can talk just traditional stocks. You want to do that? Sure, dude. Just go for it. So crypto has fallen off a cliff. Um, the last I checked, I think Bitcoin was down at like thirty five or something like that. Just which shy of thirty six. Absolutely wild to see. Um, I got notified in the group chat that crypto fell off a cliff. And whenever you see that in the chat, you're always kind of scared to open up your account and take a look. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and for the first time in about a year, my account is slightly negative than where it started, which is annoying because anyone who bought in today, as of this recording, is probably getting cheaper or the same prices as what Moore and I bought into over a year ago. A little demoralizing, but it's fine. If you listen to this podcast, you do know that we are long-term investors. Regardless of what we're investing in, we do look more long-term. But there's been a lot. There's been a lot of um, long-term options that have really been liquidated in the last few days on the crypto side. We've just seen a lot of volatility. And a lot of this has to coincide with what we've seen on the traditional markets where things are falling off a cliff as well. And, you know, a lot of this has a lot of different reasons. There's really no one reason for this. Um, some has to do with uncertainty when you're looking at um, the government, what's happening with inflation, when they're talking about tapering and how many different times there's going to be, um, you know, federal rate adjustments, things like that. But it has not been a pretty time if you were somebody who has a lot of your money invested. And this is why we always say on this podcast too: only invest what you're willing to lose. Um, if you're taking the time and finding good companies, good projects, good cryptocurrencies, um, and you really believe in them, then you should still be in a good spot. at a time and you could be down right now and be wondering what do I do um, and a lot of times stay true to what your game plan was you know for for more and I a lot of times we set price targets if we're looking to sell more on the short term um, when it comes to crypto you know I have a lot of my money staking right now so I'm earning you know passive investment at the same time so I can't really complain too much but it is definitely a time where you were seeing you know absolute chaos anywhere from I think Bitcoin is down close to 10% just in the last day or so. 
Um, way lower when we're looking for zooming out in the last kind of few weeks, but it really just fell off a cliff. So what have you been seeing on the traditional side, more in the, the stock market more? Well, you know, it's rather interesting. I think for a while we've been talking about how things are, are due for a correction. And I think we're finally getting to a place where we're getting there. So this was all expected. I mean, to a certain extent, I think everybody was ready for the stilts to start to wobble and fall potentially. So I think that for those of us that have been pay paying attention to the market, this is not particularly a surprise. However, however, uh, you know, we are in a rather interesting place in history when it comes to the financial markets. Never has there been a time where there's been more flexibility and availability for retail investors to be involved. And I think that the majority of the people that got in over the last couple years are so naive and novice to what these corrections look like and what the financial landscape looks like over a long period of time that it's going to create some really interesting results. I think there's going to be a lot of people making some big mistakes in the next few months here because they're so used to being in a, in a bull market so used to being in a place where they can expect a return that they don't necessarily know what's going to happen in a bear market. When the, when the market's falling, you have to be 10 times more disciplined than you were during the bull market. And I think that discipline is going to be very difficult for some of the retail investors that we know uh, in just in our community, in our friend groups, uh, you know, at our offices. You know, everybody has started to get involved in this idea of let me go invest my money in the markets. And I don't think that everybody's done their research. So with all that being said, this is a perfect opportunity to, to take on with, uh, you know, with the, the mindset of, of Warren Buffett, our good old friend, uh, which is when others are greedy, be fearful and when others are fearful, be greedy. So guys, we are getting ready to be at a point where we can start to be greedy and it's going to pay off. Okay. This is the name of the game. This is what we wait for. This is what we pray for at night. Mind you, it's really painful to look at your accounts right now. I get it. Okay, I went on, I went on a, a business trip for the last week. I didn't look at my accounts once this week. I didn't look at the news once this week. I had no idea what was happening to the market until I arrived at my house on Friday. I opened my accounts and almost had a heart attack. But, but what I will tell you is this. After I almost had that heart attack, a massive smile went on my face because I know that this is the opportunity for us to catch up. Now, Ross, you're right. You know, it's a little demoralizing that, you know, a year, two years ago when we bought our first Bitcoins, our pieces of Bitcoin, bought our first Ethereum coins, bought, bought our first altcoins, we were in about the same place as we are today. So to come back down and be in this place again is a little demoralizing, especially when we've lost a couple bucks because we've continued to buy as the pace continued to grow. However, however, I think just like the stock market, it's the same concept, right? We have to know what's valuable. We have to be greedy when others are fearful and we need to be fearful when others are greedy. It's the same concept. And if you're playing a long game, I think you'll be okay. However, we do need to start doing some research on what's out there. And more than ever now, there are more projects popping up. There are more opportunities popping up compounding interest opportunities, staking opportunities, new tokens, new uh, blockchains, new, you name it, it's there. You got to be careful right now because what's gonna, what we're going to see with these NFTs and these cryptos, and, I, and I'm, I hate to harp on this, but it's a, it's a Gary Vee thing. You know, we love Gary Vee on this, on this podcast, as everybody who listens to us knows, and I agree with him. 
I totally agree with them. We're going to see the same thing that happened during the dot-com boom. That's going to happen with these NFTs and these cryptos. We're going to see a massive adoption. The stuff that doesn't have value is going to fall through the floor. And the things that are going to survive are the things that actually have real value. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of crap projects out there. And you got to keep an eye out for them because they all look like gold. Okay, but one, one thing you're going to find out is that, you know, gold and lead can look pretty similar sometimes, you know, and I think it's really hard to determine what's what and where's where, right? And sometimes if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, right? Like it, you have to keep that in mind. And it's the same thing with the stock market, right? Like we have to keep in mind that there's a lot of a lot of hands in the pot in the pot and it's very easy to manipulate things if you have enough cash flow to do so so now more than ever is the time to study is the time to make sure that you are paying attention to what you're putting in your portfolio make sure that you're buying things not because your buddy told you to buy them but because you were willing to do the research and you have a good business case for being a partner in their business, okay? Remember, when you're buying stock, you're not buying a leveraging chip. You're not, you're not going to the casino and picking up some chips to go play poker. You're buying in as a partner in a business. And would you sign up and invest your money into your friend's business because they told you? Some people would. Most of those people probably lose their money, right? Or, would you take your time, do your research, do your due diligence, find out what their financials look like, take a look at their business plan, look at what their five-year plan is, where's their goal, where are they going, how are they going to get there, and then make an educated decision. That's the name of the game in my personal opinion right now because what we're going to see, again, just like what I said about the crypto markets, right? if things fall through the ground in the crypto markets, there's a high probability that they're going to fall through the ground in the stock market as well. What does that mean for us? That means that the garbage is going to sink to the bottom, okay? And the stuff that's gold will also sink but will recover. So pay attention and look for companies that are still going to be just as valuable tomorrow as they were yesterday. And the only reason that they're now devalued is because of the market trend, because they're following the market trend. I mean, that's the name of the game in the stock market. Now, that brings up a very interesting conversation which is Peloton. They just announced that they stopped production. It's rather unique. Now, Peloton's been hot, super hot, right? During the pandemic, they go, they blew up, and they have some cool technology. It's all Gucci. Everything's great. Lovely, lovely. But now they've gotten to a point where they've hit a massive stall and things are sputtering. Ross, what do you think is going to happen with Peloton? I don't know. You know, Peloton's are really interesting when we think about it because – it's something that we really haven't seen before happen. I mean, it's going viral in the sense that they're getting a lot of bad press. They're stopping their production. They've raised prices on delivery like crazy. It's just not a good time to be Peloton. You know, they had a great lead in the beginning, but a lot of brands are starting to get into this kind of segment. And I think with that causes, you know, a lot more chance of worry, a lot more fear that can come in as Apple has started to move into this company or into this sector um, with their fitness, they've already been killing it with their Apple Watches. It's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on. And I'd be very curious to see kind of where it continues from that point. So we'll keep an eye on Peloton, but the stock has absolutely plummeted in the last, you know, few months. So let's let's just see where it continues to go. It's rather interesting to me 
And, and, you know, it's funny. Over time, I've kind of learned this. You know, there's two ways to make it in this world. And one way is the consistent rise, right? Where you slowly but surely build and build and build with a foundation and you slowly scale and you create something that is, is um, viable over the long term, right? That's, that's reliable. Or you shoot to the moon. Now, in this particular case, Peloton was a shoot to the moon kind of company. Now, when I see a shoot to the moon kind of company, that scares the crap out of me. Now, why does that scare the crap out of me? Because if it can shoot to the moon, then it can fall through the floor, right? And if there's no foundation based on that, uh, no foundation underneath that company, right? And they were just, they just took it to the moon and they just thought, okay, well, we're gonna keep on doing whatever we were doing and they didn't evolve, right? Then you get a situation like what Peloton's doing right now, right? Like they're now retroactively offering a, a platform, right? A platform that will allow people to work within their system that's not necessarily the person that has the Peloton machine. Now, if, if you were to look back and say, you know what? Peloton, it's going to be the best company in the world for fitness, right? They should have thought of that originally and said, okay, if we're going to sell a product for $2,500, we still want to get the small, the small, the guy that can't afford our product to pay us. How are we going to do that? We're going to get people involved on a membership basis for 30 to 50 bucks a month and have them continue to pay us over and over and over again to use their machines until they've bought in so much to what we have to offer that they spurt $2,500 for our machine because they believe in the brand. Right. See, instead of doing that, instead of building a foundation, building a brand that truly, truly not only brings community, brings everybody into the picture, but also over time generates enough value for for a for a, a, a member to go and then spend and splurge on that next level of product, that next level of hardware. Right now you have a sustainable model. Now you have something that will grow through anything because you not only have like you were saying with Orange Theory, right? Like. Orange Theory people are Orange Theory people. They go to Orange Theory. It's what they do. Circuit 990, what's that, the boxing one, right? They're the, that's where they go. That's what they do. That's who they are, right? I think that Peloton took advantage of an opportunity because they were the sexiest machine on the market at the time. And there was an opportunity with COVID for people to need, that needed to be able to, to work out because that was their daily routine but couldn't do it in a gym. So those people went and splurged and they went and said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to cancel my membership. I'm going to buy this machine. I'm going to have it in my house. And that way, at least I can work out. But what happens when you have someone that just needs something, right? They buy you for, it's, it's the same concept of like, okay, if you're going to buy me for price, you're going to leave me for price. It's the same concept, right? If you're going to buy me because you need it today, if you don't need it tomorrow, you're not going to keep buying for me. Right, it's only needs based. There's no emotion. There's no. There's no connection. There's no. Um, you know. There's nothing anchoring that customer to stay with the brand. So I think that's really where they hurt. Right. Whereas you can look at a different company like Gymshark, for example, who's not public yet, but Gymshark built a foundation based off of brand, and their product isn't the best product in the market, mind you. Peloton's product is probably the best product in the market right now. Truly. I mean, they have a great product. Mind you, they have a couple design flaws that have you know, ended up with you know, some not-so-fun lawsuits, but they have a really solid product. However, where Gymshark built a brand, built awareness, built uh, a community, 
Peloton did it by default as opposed to by design. And I think that's something that's really important. It's something that, that we need to pinpoint, which is, are you building culture by default or are you building culture by design? Because if you build culture by design, like Gymshark did, for example, you're gonna have a thriving business over time because that brand is gonna continue to germinate into the eyes and ears and minds and hearts of Anyone that's related to it, anyone that, you know, any of your first adopters, they're going to start to bring their circle around. Now, Peloton, yeah, did they have a community? Sure. But the community was only based on whether you had the ability to afford the bike and whether you were willing to do all the workouts all the time. Now, what's another thing that we know about the gym? We know that people make commitments, buy the machine, and then don't freaking use it. They don't use it. So you're stuck in this catch-22 and I, and I think to go back, and this is a perfect parlay into our book, which we'll go ahead and move into because we've had quite the long discussion this morning about, uh, about you know, news, is where's the why? Where was the why? Because I see the what, right, for Peloton. I see what they were doing. What they were doing was providing a really high quality experience for working out at home. But the why, I don't know what their why is. In my personal opinion, they don't really have one. Right, like the why for every person that buys a Peloton is completely different. I know multiple people that have Pelotons and they all bought them for different reasons. One bought them because uh, I needed to work out, I couldn't go to the gym. One bought it because I really need to get back in the gym. I haven't, I've been lazy and I need something in my house so that I can work out. Right now, both of those people are completely different, but both of those people are also going to leave the second that they have a better alternative. Right, the person that didn't need the machine because they were going to the gym every day, the second the gym opens up, they're gonna go back to the gym. Why? Because their community is there. Because their space, because they feel that that's part of their routine, it's part of who they are, right? On the other hand, the person that needed to get into the gym but still hasn't, you know, that person that's been paying that, that gym membership and goes three times a year, you know, in the first two weeks of the year because they made a New Year's resolution, then they forget that they pay it every month, right? So I think that they didn't build the why. They didn't build in a, a, a brand culture that could sustain longevity and sustain mistakes, right? Like how many mistakes has Apple made? How many mistakes has Facebook made? How many mistakes has, have all these companies made? Mind you, they're not, I'm not saying they're altruistic companies. I'm not saying that they're, they're doing right by the consumer all the time, right? They, they're selfish, big, massive corporations. But you know what? At the end of the day, their why is very clear. You know, Apple's why is very clear, right? Like you know what you're gonna do with Apple. You know what you're gonna do with Facebook. And no matter how many mistakes they make, you still continue to go back to them because you believe in their baseline foundational why. And I don't think Peloton had that. So with that being said, let's go ahead and hop into the book. This week, we read a book called Start With Why by Simon uh, Sinek. And this is a pretty famous dude. I mean, he's been on, t on TED Talks. He's been on TV. He's been on, you know, you name it, talk shows, this and that. This is a book that I think really put him on the map. Uh, he wrote it, a I think, about a decade ago, and it's still very relevant today. I thought it was really good. I thought a 10,000-foot view, two thumbs up. I, it was probably one of the best books we've read on this podcast. I mean, out of 130 books almost, which, shoot, we're almost at 130 books, Ross. That's pretty awesome. Uh, out of 130 books, I would say that this probably fits in the top 10. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. This was definitely, I would say, the top book of the year we've had so far. 
I mean, it, it was, you know, not only very well written, but the message was great. And, you know, as the title talks about, it's the importance of why, you know, a lot of people are very stuck on the who, the how, the what, but the why gets lost. And the why is massive because not only is it important for, for your core vision as a person or, or as a company, but you can also relay this to people who work for you, your employees. You give a sense of purpose. You know, when you're selling a product, you don't want to just be living in this world where everything is all, you know, 500 gigabytes and three terabytes and six things of RAM. You want to bring a benefit. You know, can you export more videos in a day now? Can you get now more production done and therefore you're making more money and you're spending less time? Are you able to reallocate that time to make more? Or do you want to use that time to be with your friends, your family, um, pick up a new hobby, a new skill? So there's there's a lot that comes into that. And I think that's one of the big things going into this book as to why it was so strong, because it did a phenomenal job of being able to kind of relay that important message. Sure. I think the the relationship between how and why, I think that's really, really a huge, massive, overarching piece here that, that comes along in this book. Now, mind you, you have to have both. You have to have the how and you have to have the why. If you look at any amazing company, you're going to find one person that's the how and one person that's the why. It just is what it is. And it might even be a department. One department's the why, one department's the how. But you have to have them both at the same time because they work symbiotically. Now, in order for you to have a truly powerful company, your why is more important than your how. Let's be real honest. And that's really important because when building a company, you have to have foresight. You have to have the ability to look past what's in front of you and look 10 years in the future so that you can then take that why that you generate and and be adaptable over time because things are going to change. The market's going to change. The market today and the market three years from now are going to be completely different markets. Okay. But in the perfect example of Apple, right? Apple's why is clear. Apple wants to democratize the technology. That's what they want to do. I mean, they, they think about their 1984 ad where they, they shut down the, the you know, uh, everyone's seen it. It's with the, the monotonous marching of the, of the, you know, the sheeples, right? The sheeples are walking around just doing their daily daily, right? And, and then you got this massive lady, you get this lady with the red, with the hammer and the red pants and the thing. And it's like in your face and, and it has nothing to do with technology. It has nothing to do with the what, it has nothing to do with the how, it's the why. It's they want to break through this monotony. They want to break through and create creativity and create an opportunity for people to be individuals. And, and they do such a good job of it that look at, I mean, literally it lives in every single one of their products. And it's really simple. Each, one, each product that they make starts with an I. It's, it's, it's really not too difficult to understand. I mean, everything that you look at for the most part that has to do with consumer products outside of their computers and even the, some of their computers, it starts with I. And that's the whole point. The whole point is they are trying to create individualism. They want to give you an opportunity to be creative and create your own world with their technology. And that's why people buy in. Now, their product in 1984 and their product in 2022 are completely different products used for completely different things. But you know what? They still fall along the same why, right? They still fall along the same why. And that's so important. Now, in addition to that, you have to have the how. You have to have the how, right? Like you can't get the why 
to work without the how. So it's really also important to have that symmetry and that synergy between the why and the how so that you can actually take it from an idea, from this, this passion, and turn it into something physical that can actually create and generate and sustain revenues, employees, and a market. Right, so I think that that's really important. I mean, what what else? What what other? You know, is there anything else that comes to mind for you, Ross, in that conversation of the how versus the why? Well, it's kind of like I was saying before, where you know you can have all these different tech specs and all the different things that go into it, but you know the benefit. Like you, you just got a new MacBook computer. I'm very proud to say because I've been trying to get more to upgrade his computer for almost six years. I mean, he's he's in the camp where you know if it's not broke, don't fix it. But what I was telling him was. You know, things weren't working fast for him. Things were, there were very simple tasks that can now take him 30 seconds would take, you know, five, 10 minutes. So for him, his biggest thing is he need to be able to save time. Now, he could have got a different computer that, you know, has the same specs, maybe the same speed, but he needs things that kind of can sync for him in the background. So that ecosystem, he already had the phone um, and other Apple products, but just that easeability, I think, was the biggest thing that went into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think more? Does that sound kind of on the money a little bit when you were talking about, um, you know, maybe even your computer like this, for an example? Yeah, and you're right on the money. You know, it's it's very true that I could have very easily picked up a much cheaper computer than what I currently have, and it would have probably still done similar things, but it would not have had the same level of experience. It would not have had the same level of, of just feeling. It's, it's about a feeling. It's about feeling like I'm doing the right thing and having the right tools to do the right job, which makes me better at what I do, right? And that's, that's something really special that they do. And actually, you, had, you hit a really interesting point with Circuit City. The, the next comparison I want to make is Circuit City and Best Buy. And this is a perfect opportunity to look at the why, right? Circuit City and Best Buy, if you were to go back 10 years and go sit, stand in both stores, with not a single employee in the in the room. If there was if it was both empty stores, they would look almost identical. I mean, they're not different stores. They had computers, they had TVs, they had speakers, they had headphones, they had music, they had uh, uh, you know, different like washing machines, all sorts of nonsense, right? But why is Best Buy still here? And why is Circuit City gone? It's all about the why. I mean, think about who still goes into a store to buy something. The only reason that you would go into a store to buy something is because you had, an, you, you want to have an experience. Obviously, Circuit City was an opportunity to go look at a store and go buy something. However, Best Buy comes from a different place. They come from the place of we're going to give you expertise. We're going to tell you the differences and show you the reasons why one thing is better for you than another thing. We're going to give you an experience because we believe that our customers deserve it. I don't know if you I don't know if you remember walking into a Circuit City and if you could compare that to what what it's like to walk into a Best Buy. I I remember walking into Circuit City and begging for help. You had all the technology in the world there. It was all sitting on the floor, but most of the people didn't really know what was going on. They were just like, okay, well, here's this, here's that. Okay, this is what you want. It costs this much. You want me to ring it up for you? Great. You walk into a Best Buy, right? I went and walked into a Best Buy to buy a Logitech keyboard about six months ago. Man, I tell you, I, I was I did research on this on these keyboards. I looked at them online. I tried to figure out which one was better for me, and I knew which one I wanted. I knew exactly which one I wanted, but I was still on the fence. And when I went into Best Buy, 
I had a, a, a gentleman in his department that was an expert and knew exactly what the differences were between all these things, the differences in price and the reasons why I should get one over the other. And that's a trickle down. That's not, that's not a, that's not, a, oh, they trained me well at training so that I could manage the store. No, that it comes from the top. It comes from the top. It comes from the CEO and the C-level and the, and the board members understanding that what differentiates them is their why, the why they do what they do. And that why is to take care of their customers and make sure that they have the best experience and get exactly what they need for their home. And that was the difference, right? It was the intangible that, that made the difference. And that's why Circuit City, one of, one of the biggest brands in America in the 90s, right, went out of business and Best Buy is still here today in 2022 when everybody is buying everything online. And these are still profitable and still make a whole crap load of money and have stores everywhere. So I think it's really important for us to start making these, these, these analogies and start looking at things at, from that perspective to start to see what's gonna make a difference because I think in 2022, it matters more than ever to have your why dialed in because now with the amount of options that are out there, it's more than just money. And, and this actually, funny enough, this also goes into culture around hiring and firing. There's so many employers that are having so much trouble bringing people into their culture because they don't have one, because it doesn't exist. And the companies that are, that are winning the best employees aren't the ones that are paying the most money. They're the ones that are developing a culture in their business that goes beyond dollars and cents. It's a why. It's not a what. It's a why. So I think it's really important to say that. Now, also to back up to your conversation about Bomber and uh, and um, Gates, right? Like, or not Bomber and Gates? Excuse me, Gates. Who's Gates? Is um, oh my gosh, why? It, it was Bomber, right? It's Bomber. I'm losing my mind. So, it, so it was really interesting how he laid it out in the book, right? And the way that he laid it out was okay. Bomber is energy, and Gates is charisma. Right? And energy can only get you so far. Energy will get the crowd moving and things roar in and blah, 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 but it doesn't necessarily get people to take the next step. Whereas charisma, an un an un intangible, charisma is intangible. You can't put you can't put a finger on charisma. Charisma is unique to that person. Charisma is unique to that entity, unique to that business. When you have charisma around what it is that you do, around who it is that you are, you're gonna have such a better chance of taking something to market and being able to get people to resonate and rally around you than if you just have energy. Everybody has energy, man. Anybody can come out here and find energy to go jump on stage and jump around and get sweaty, okay? But not everybody has vision and, and, and candor around that vision and, and, a, and, a, and an ability to lay a path that's bigger than just the product or the service that you're selling, right? Like Bill Gates didn't sell PC software. Bill Gates sold opportunity. Bill Gates sold, he sold the ability for small businesses to act as if they were big conglomerates. He gave, he gave people leverage that they never had before. He gave people opportunity that they never had before. And his charisma, his, his, his drive to create something for people, by people, was what made him who he is today, what made Microsoft who it is, what it is today, right? And although Microsoft doesn't have the same, you know, brand equity that Apple has, 
It's still the number one most used processing system in the world by a massive margin. Not a small, a massive margin, okay? So I think that was also something that was really important to bring up. And with that being said, guys, I mean, what an incredible episode. I'm so excited for this episode. I'm so glad at how this how this came out so far, and I can't wait for you guys to review it and tell us how, what you think. But on that, uh, on that bombshell, on that lovely bombshell, quite the contrary to what normally happens, which is a negative bombshell, um, final thoughts, great book, worth every second of the time that I spent reading it, and I highly, highly recommended it. Ross, any final thoughts for you, sir? Great book. Definitely, if you have a chance, read it. Pick it up in your bookstore. We listen to a lot of stuff on Audible. Again, not sponsored by Audible, but we do love you guys. Um, so definitely check it out. There's a lot you can learn. Highly recommend. You will not be disappointed. So check it out. Honestly, great book. Audible, sponsor us. Please. We're on episode 127, so we will continue going. But, yeah. With that being said, guys, my name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Anarelli. This is the Market Today podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Take care.